and welcome to Lewis in Space. On this podcast, I talk to my friends about games, their history with games, their current relationship to games, what they think about video game culture and stuff like that. And then we also choose a particular game to talk about specifically uh, what they love, like, or hate about it. On this week's episode, I talked to my friend Dylan about a game I love very much, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Before we get started, a thank you to Visager for creating this awesome theme song. You can check out more of their work at visager.bandcamp.com. Enjoy! We haven't talked that much about video games. No, I've listened to you talk about video games a fair amount. I'm one to do. Well, but thank you for doing this. I'm interested in your perspective. Um, after what we just went through, which is basically four months. Four months. We've been playing uh, a game, which we'll get to, but uh, let's begin just by talking about, um, actually probably rehashing some conversation that we had four months ago when we first started and we were yeah. talking about doing this together, about just broadly what is your your whole, your whole thing on video games? Like, before we started doing this, what was your... Yeah, well, I, I mean, growing up, my parents were pretty adamant that we wouldn't have a, 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 a game console. So I didn't really have, I never in my whole life owned, I don't know what the, I owned a Game Boy, but I never had a PlayStation or a GameCube or a Nintendo 64, anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so my video game experience was limited to what I could have on my PC and then what I played at my friend's house. Um, and playing at my friend's house usually just meant like sitting and watching, playing my friend. Oh, really? Watching my friend. Well, it depends. Like, we would like play Super Smash together, but then like I would watch my friend play like Assassin's Creed for like hours on end. Oh, like, really? Anything. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> but it was like, and we would do it in big groups too. Like, like birthday parties would be just like sitting and watching people play games. That kind of sucks. I have experience with like Game Boy games. Like I played a lot of like Zelda, which we will get to, I assume, and uh, like Pokemon were the two big ones. I remember Golden Sun. Like I got, had a Game Boy Advance. You know, like I would get the new Game Boy every now and then. Um, there was like a Yu-Gi-Oh game I think I loved. What did you play? Did you play it at home or did you play it like on the school bus? I think the school bus and at home and like my sister uh, played basketball, which would, so I had to go to every single one of her games. So I would like often bring it with me to that. Um, I, I, I had, like, an original, like, brick uh, Game Boy. You know, like the, one, the big gray one? Yeah, the one that you could kill a person with. Yeah. Like, I had one of those. And I remember most specifically playing, like, Pokemon Red on that. Like, mm -hmm. that's... I had Red, I remember. So were you a Poke Freak? Uh, I was... Yeah, I had I had cards, but I never played with the cards, which seemed like kind of the what everybody did. Yeah. Like, nobody actually played the game. A lot... Me and a lot of my friends had this graduation of, like, you started with Poke Cards, which was just, like, a collector's item, and you move around to Yu-Gi-Oh cards which was also just a collector's item, but also had a pretty simple gameplay. And mm -hmm. I played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because it was, a, was pretty simple. And then I read there's a Magic, which is not a simple game at all, but also has a collector's side to it. So was, as you get older, you like do more with playing cards. And also, everything, like, both Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! had TV shows that I really liked. Oh, yeah. So I would watch the Pokemon TV show, I'd watch the Yu-Gi-Oh! TV show. That really was my intro. And then, like, the games on top of it, both the card games and the video games, were, like, the extra bonus. So what did you like about the games? Like, Golden Sun and Zelda and Pokemon are all kind of different fantasies? Yeah, I liked fantasy games. I liked, uh, I liked strategy games. Mm. Like, I liked, I liked playing a game that had a strategy guide. So I was never, like, games like... Uh, this is a weird one, but like games like a uh, Tekken or Mortal Kombat were never very interesting to me. Things that were just like a series of like the same thing and different variations over and over again was never very interesting. Um, 
I guess you could say that about Pokemon too, but like I like there being stories. Like I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed there being stories, and really this all culminated in um, that for uh, for PC, which was my main thing that I played. Um, my, I remember my brother had it first, and I really got obsessed with Final Fantasy VIII. Had a PC version, mm. like they released it for PC, um, and I started out watching my brother play. Um, which was like a whole, like that was probably the first time my brother was ever nice to me. Uh, and we had, uh, I, he's an older brother, you know, he's six years older, and we are very close now, but we're not then. Um, and that's, that's when I, that's the first video game I remember really loving and really like dedicating like a lot of attention to, because I would watch him play and get really into it, and we had the strategy guide, so I was mm-hmm. often the one like reading the strategy guide. And then I think he went to college or something and left it behind, and I started my own game. Um, and so Final Fantasy VIII, I've beaten many, many times and, like, started many games. And I think I have, like, I think if, I mean, I'm sure it's gone now, but, like, I had a saved file outside the same final boss that I could just, like, walk in and play the final boss whenever I wanted to. I can, like, talk about the story of Final Fantasy VIII a lot. Like, that was really... And then that kind of was a gateway into other Final Fantasy games. And when I was older, I... I think my brother bought, like, a PlayStation 1, like, an old-school PlayStation that I, again, inherited or I, like, bought from him or something. So then Final Fantasy 7 became a thing that I played. I watched... I remember we had Final Fantasy 9. Like, those, like, that era of Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy 10, which I never played, but I watched my friend play a lot. So, like, 7, 8, 9, and 10, with a big emphasis on 8, were kind of, like... And still all I think of, like, my favorite video games. Seven, eight, nine, ten are like the big PlayStation games. There's ten two, which was weird because it was the first time there's a direct sequel to a Final Fantasy game. But then eleven was the first one that involved some sort of online play, and I remember that being a breaking point of like I can't keep track anymore. Mm. Um, because I also still didn't have like I st- I had a PlayStation one and my PC. Like I never owned anything more sophisticated than that. So, so. so you- so once games started to really move past that, I started to get really lucky. And there was no interest... Because you, like... The, the the games you're talking about are good games that are, like, are well curated by their creators even now. Like, Pokemon and Zelda and Final Fantasy are all alive and well and in the best shape of their lives, you know? Like, do you have no interest in just even investigating how much would it cost to buy, like, a thing off eBay and just, like... I, I mean, the interesting thing is, like, a... A year or so ago, I, like, downloaded and emulated both a Game Boy and a PlayStation emulator onto my, like, Mac laptop. And I play, I downloaded both Final Fantasy VII and VIII <laughs> and Pokemon Red and I think even Zelda, the Oracle Seasons and Oracle Ages. So all the games I have a nostalgic atta- uh, attachment to. And I played them for a little bit, but... You know, like, I'm a busy person, which is, like, not a cop-out. Like, I'm a busy person, and I don't have very much free... Like, the last year, I spent working more or less 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a lot of free time, and I like spending time with other people. And video games, I see, is, like, a solitary thing. And then when I'm alone, like, I think a big part of it actually has been replaced by social media. I think that's part of, like, what my video game mind has gone, is, like, spent, like, mindlessly on Twitter and Facebook. But I also think... Um, I think that, and then I like, I like reading a lot. Like, there's a lot to read, like, both nonfiction and fiction. You know, like, I just, like, only have so much free time. Yeah. And, like, video games have never been the first thought. I've even had, like, a couple times this year, like, it's been a long year, and I've, like, thought, oh, I have, like, I have Final Fantasy VIII on, and I'm, like, a quarter of the way through the game on my computer, and I could reboot it anytime I wanted, but I just never have, like, I haven't touched it in about a year. Do you play games on your phone? No. Uh, I play card games every now and then, mm. but I don't play like uh, 
like was it bejeweled or anything like that or or maze runner well you know they make uh i don't think it's maze runner temple 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 um you know they make uh they, I think they ported some of the Final Fantasy games to iPhone. I don't know how good they are, but that like, does not sound fun. Okay, great. I mean, and like again, I think it actually comes down to like the things I really love about the Final Fantasy games and can talk about in detail and like fan theories upon fan theories is like the stories and like the and like the narratives of the, those games have really always interested me because they do. It's a different one every time. They're not connected in any way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some fun fan theories about, like, Squall is Cloud's son or something like that, which is, like, whatever, you can think whatever you want, but, like, it's, like, that's the interesting thing about Final Fantasy VIII. Like, I could sit here, if you wanted, and tell you the entire story of Final Fantasy VIII, as if it were, like, which I'm not going to do, but, like, if as if it were, like, a bedtime story mm-hmm. or, like, a cool movie I saw, because they really find a way to build in, like, attachment to these characters because so much is happening. And there's like a twist in Final Fantasy VIII that is like really fun to get to, where like, I, I'm gonna spoil it for you. Okay. There's like a moment where you've been playing all these kind of like disparate people. Um, not just, I mean, they're all in the same part. Like you have this party, but you've like seen them meet each other. And so you're like, oh, they're like new friends or they're like new colleagues or whatever. And then there's a moment where they discover they actually all were in the same orphanage. And because of some of the magic you've been using to fight the monsters, they've lost their memory of being in the same orphanage. And then the head of the orphanage is your ultimate boss. So it's this whole, like, fun oh. thing that, like, overlays it. And, like, that was always a little more interesting to me than actually playing, like, the mechanics of gameplay, mm-hmm. of, like, what was going to happen next, I think was always a little more interesting. Which is why, like, things like the Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons was really attractive, because it was two games that was one big story. Like, you could beat Oracle of Ages... Like, if you played it correctly, or if you played it in, like, the kind of ultimate way it was designed, you would beat Oracle, you would beat one of them, and you would get a code that you could then put into the other game and start as if you were just, as if you were the same player, Mm -hmm. even though it was two different games. And they would reference things that happened in the other place, and et cetera, et cetera. So you liked that? I loved that, yeah. And then when I was in high school, I would play, like, Halo with my friends. But I always liked Halo, too, because, like, Halo... Like, it's not, like, the most developed story, but I liked playing Halo and, like, finding out what's going to happen. The atmosphere is really cool in Halo. Right. There was a time when there was going to be a big blockbuster movie of Halo directed right. by Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson right. It never happened. Right. So that... I would I don't know if I'd seen that movie, but, like, that's, like, interesting to me. Hmm. So that's interesting to me, because we're about to talk about Zelda. Right. And of all the things you just said, I think actually one of the weakest parts of Zelda is the story. It's basically the same story every time. Yeah. You but, can't really get in depth. What you're doing literally in the game contributes very little to story, because what you're true. mostly doing is solving puzzles and running around rooms. By the time I started playing it, I would have been, it would have been like early 2000s or something. It already had this huge backstory. Mm-hmm of, like, many, like, Link had been through many, many adventures, that it was almost like starting TV series, like, three seasons in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, I was like, so Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons are the only two Zelda games I've ever played. So tell me to... So those are two games made for Game Boy Color. The idea is that there are three oracles, like, three goddesses that govern the world where Zelda takes place. One of them is in, responsible for time or ages. One of them is responsible for the seasons or, like, nature. And then the other one is responsible for something else. She doesn't have her own game, so I don't really remember. She pops up 
if you beat if you like go through the two games chronologically she'll pop up in the second game that you play mm. but like as a weird random thing that isn't really important to the gameplay but anyway so like an oracle so each one they're captured by some malevolent force which throws the respective thing off like time gets thrown off or the seasons get thrown off and you as Link play through you know like it's classic like eight dungeons you're collecting a MacGuffin at the end like once you have all eight MacGuffins like you can go battle the final boss it's a little more complicated than that but that's more or less the gameplay um and you like and then it always turns out that like Ganon is always involved in some way even though you didn't know and Zelda is also always involved in some way although you don't know and then as I was saying the cool thing is like if you and you can play either of them first there's no right way or wrong way um you can also only play one of them. You don't have to get Yeah, both. you don't have to play... Yeah, you don't have to get both. But I had both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once you beat one, you can you then get a code and you can put it into the next one and it's a, a one continuous game. And then once you beat the second one, which is either it's ages or, or um, seasons, you then the, then you actually battle Ganon. It's like then it, there's an extra boss fight at the end. The idea that like he, you foiled both of his attempts to kidnap the oracles and you have to battle do battle and then like the kind of cool thing about it like story-wise is then you see link like sail out from these worlds which are not hyrule and you kind of see him and it's assumed that it's a prequel to link's awakening which is the very first uh zelda game boy game right i think so yeah so that's like these, these came out of course many years after if they're on game boy color they came out many years after the, that original game but it's just assumed. It's like this cool, like, once you've beaten both of them, you get, like, this fun, like, Easter egg of, like, you see him sailing off. Mm. And then also the idea is that, like, Oracle of... One of them is more puzzle-based and one of them is more action-based. If I remember correctly, Seasons is more action-based and age, Ages is more puzzle-based. Mm. So it's, like, the two sides of Zelda kind of boiled down. I never played Majora's Mask. I never played Ocarina of Time because I didn't have the systems. And I'd seen my friends play a little bit of it, but I'd never, like, engaged with it. But you've been interested? Like, just I, sort of like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I probably read, like, a little Wikipedia page about Aquarium Time at one point in my life. And my friends were talking about it enough where I knew, like, oh, like, Zelda is, like, dressed up in one as a boy. Like, all these things. And mm. I like, kind of had a passing... Oh, and I played Super Smash Brothers too. So at one point I was like, who's that? And they're like, oh, that's Zelda's alter ego. Like, things like that. Mm. But through cultural osmosis, I kind of absorbed. Okay, so we're talking a lot about Zelda right now because... Um, uh, I love Zelda. I have played not every Zelda game, I don't think, but a lot of them, and I loved them growing up. And I just think that uh, I don't know. I think I think of Zelda as, as uh, Nint- Nintendo. Really, I, I think of Nintendo as like the Pixar video games, where they make the most accessible games. Um, and I think they're just the best at like. I mean, every single person who says that they've never played a video game does know who Mario is and has mm-hmm. played Mario Kart or Super Smash Brothers. Um, and I think Zelda is sort of like a lit, like a one step further into that tradition of like, you may not, um, have played video games, but like you can play Zelda. Like I promise you that you can play Zelda. Um, and so I love that series and I thought it was interesting to talk about. So what we played or what you played, um, was The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. Right. Um, what did you think? I loved it. Okay, so <laughs> that's great. Done. Okay. <laughs> We've been playing Zelda: The Wind Waker for four months. Is it The Wind Waker or just Wind? It's the, it's full title is The Legend of Zelda: colon, The Wind Waker. Okay. Um, we've played it. Um, 
on and off every few weeks, uh, just coming over and playing at my place for the past few months. Mm -hmm. um, and you haven't beaten the game, but no. we got to a part of the game that I thought you'd seen enough. You probably logged like 10 or 12 hours of gameplay. That sounds about right. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time, but you right. didn't beat the game. Right. But you had fun. Right. It's interesting how my knowledge of Game Boy game, Game Boy Zelda games, has related to this. There's been like some really helpful things in that like, any new tool I get, I'm like, oh, I remember this tool. I remember the things you're supposed to do with this tool. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm not sure like the physical life of like my hand on this controller, because the other thing is I'm playing on the Wii U controller, oh, right. which is like, the game has been redesigned in order to work that way. But I've never used a Wii U controller before. Like if you hand me a, a GameCube controller, I would kind of know my way around it. But I, a Wii U controller is a whole nother beast that I yeah. kind of had to learn how to use. Um, and so that was a thing, um, but then it was interesting to, like, know, like, and also, like, like, I, like, I, I know what I'm supposed to do with bombs. Like, that's, that's the consistency across this other thing, is, like, there's always new puzzles, but the puzzles always get kind of solved in the same way. Yes. <laughs> like, there's, only, there's, like, uh, new, like, new variations on old themes. Like, the puzzle of, like... There are rooms sometimes where you have to kill all the monsters and to, and to open the door, which is not an intuitive thing, but like because I played Zelda games before, I know that sometimes you have to kill all the monsters in order to open the door. Because <laughs> so that, that makes no sense. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no physical reality behind that. Yeah. There's just like, that's just like, like, I could see if I'd never played a Zelda game, like being in a room and like being like, why can't I walk through that door? And being like, I don't want to deal with the monsters. And then you just like, because. In this game, like, if the monsters don't spot you, you could go through a room full of monsters and, like, not have to engage with them at all. Mm -hmm. But in this one, like... But so, like, if I, if I had no idea and I got into a room and I was like, okay, I'm going to avoid all the monsters, I'm going to this door, why is it not going to open? I might spend five minutes looking for a key, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, I know well enough that I know, like, sometimes I just have to kill all the monsters. Okay. Um, that's interesting. The variations on, the, on an old theme is... Uh is a cool way of saying it. Because I think there's a reason that the series is called The Legend of Zelda. Right. Like, the word legend is, like, is sort of the point of it. That it's all made up of, like, similar heroes and villains and, uh, like, themes. Or, like, maybe not themes, but, like, solutions, I guess. Right. But every game is, like, actually wildly different. Right. Like they're all sort of, like, hearkening back to the legend and they're all part of the same tapestry in, like, a fun way. Right. Um... But let's back up one second about the tapestry. Uh, what is like it about? Like, what is the ethos of Zelda? Like, what is the Wind Waker? The Wind Waker specifically, or the Legend of Zelda broadly? <sighs> let's start with. Let's just do the Legend of Zelda broadly. Like, what is it? Right. So there's there's this land called Hyrule, which is like your typical bland fantasy world, mm -hmm. or like a generic fantasy world, not bland. There are monsters. There are good guys. There are bad guys. There are towns. There are castles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It is ruled by a king sometimes, and he has a daughter named Zelda, who's the princess. Kind of in, like, the Princess Peach mode, but a little less stereotypical. She seems to be more of a human than Princess Peach. Um, and then there is, like, a nondescript everyday hero. Like, everyman hero. Named Link. He wears green, he's very recognizable. And he often is like a small town boy who somehow gets wrapped up in the evil, which is almost always driven by a, a creature known as Ganon or Ganondorf. Um, 
and Gan and the and the religion of Hyrule is based on this mystical item known as a Triforce, which is like it's like three interlocking triangles that anybody who has it's a physical item, and anybody who has that physical item has complete power. But it can also be separated, and if you have one piece of it, you have some sort of power. And so basically, all of the games are like trying to keep Ganon from getting on Triforce. That's like what it boils down to. And each of the three characters, Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf, represent a piece of the Triforce. It usually winds up in the games, not always, but it usually winds up that Zelda has the Triforce of Wisdom, Link has the Triforce of Courage, and Ganondorf has the Triforce of Power. Great. I did not know that. Oh. So that's good to know. <laughs> Great. Well, we haven't gotten that far in Wind Waker, so. <laughs> so that, so yeah, so, and the game is usually some variation of like, Ganondorf has one part of it, he's trying to get the other two parts of it, you need to protect Zelda as well as protect the land. There's usually like something wonky going on in the space-time continuum in some way. <laughs> like a lot of the games involve traveling back and forth through time. So, like Ganon usually is able to rot, like bring some chaos under Hyrule. Uh, like Legend of Seasons, he's able to like throw all the seasons off and like sometimes it's cold and it's like things like that. And then you like bring balance and you become a hero to all of Hyrule. And that happens like three or four times. Or <laughs> ten or fifteen. <laughs> yeah, so that's the Legend of Zelda. So how is Wind Waker? Wind Waker starts and you're on a small island in a vast sea in a land that is ostensibly not Hyrule. And nobody refers to you as Link. And you're just like, what's going on? You're not dressed like Link at the very, very beginning of the game. So you're kind of like, what's going on? But then at some point, your grandma's like, it's your, like, your sixth birthday. And on everybody's sixth birthday, we give them this outfit. You think he's six years old? I don't know. How old is he? I think he's like 12 or 13. It's some birthday. Yeah. And he gets... That's six years old. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he gets, a, like, the hero's outfit that, like... Oh, I forgot. The beginning of Wind Waker, before you play a second, the, like, the introductory, like, animation, tells the story of Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, kind of like a... It tells it as if it were an old story that has been passed down for generations upon generations. And it's kind of uh, animated in the style of, like, it almost looks like you look at looking like medieval books or mm-hmm. something. It's animated in the style of, like, this is an old story that, like, may or may not be true. And it, but it's the story of one wicked. Uh, I'm sorry. It is the story of Ocarina of Time. So, so it's kind of implied from the very beginning that you're f- much further into the future than the events of that game. And on his birthday, this young boy that you're playing as is gifted the clothes of Link. And the idea is that, like, I think they explain it, like, every boy on this birthday gets those clothes because, like, every boy could be the next reincarnation or whatever this hero. So you, like, very quickly are playing a character that looks very much like Link. But that is really the only connection to the other games. Besides, like, all, like, you have a sword and you have a boomerang and you have a grappling hook and you have arrows and all, and, like, there's bombs and pots and, like, dungeons. But, like, in terms of, like, narrative elements, that's really the only connection to the other games. Near to the point where we ended, you end up going to Hyrule Castle and things kind of start to fall into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just described it wonderfully, and it's just a shame that we can't, we don't have enough time, like, it would take us forever for you to get to the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of my, the reason that The Wind Waker is one of my favorite games of all time is, uh, many things that I'll get to, but just the response to that, it's the story. It's like the way it treats the story of the games that came before, in, in a series that often doesn't have a lot of reverence for 
this what you as a player did in the games before they only have reverence for their own mythology like link and zelda and, and ganon and the triforce but in this game it was like you, you, you as the hero did this thing and this happened a long time ago and now this is the future and it also feels a little more i don't know this for sure but i feel like if you if you play it might be a little frustrating correct me if i'm wrong because i've never played it to play like uh, Ocarina of Time and get all your cool gadgets and like all these cool skills and be like, okay, like Link's done this. And then play Majora's Mask and be like, nope, you just have a sword again. And they're like, yeah. well, what about all that stuff I got in the last game? I'm playing the same character. Yeah. Like, why am I back at square one? So there's something exciting about being like, oh no, you're just like a young boy who's never had to face adversity. So of course you don't have any of those skills. It feels, it reminds me so much of the feeling of watching like The Force Awakens where it's like, this is the same story, we're dealing with the same forces in the world, but like time moves on and right. someone has to start from zero again, right. you know? Uh, but the thing, but the, the other thing I love about Wind Waker is that I think it's gorgeous. I love the art style, which is distinct from almost every other Zelda game that's come out to this point. Um, it looks like this cartoonish, it looks like a Pixar movie to me. It looks like this cartoonish, like lots of, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, Solid colors, matte colors, not matte colors. Um, yeah, it's also more geometric than I think. Yes, it. exactly. It's very geometric and it's very... It's not pastel either, that's not the right no, word. there's a fucking word I can't think but of. But it's also more impressionistic than I think in yeah. a lot of video games, period. Yes. Yeah. But, like, especially Zelda games. It's one of the most beautiful video games you can buy. Right, which I think is, like... Like, Final Fantasy games I, I, I have a lot of um, experience with are very realistic. And, like as they progressed, were, like, lauded for how realistic they were being. I remember Final Fantasy X was a big deal because you could hear people speak for the first time, and it was like, whoa! Yeah. Um, is there any movie of Zelda? No. No. There's a TV show, but nobody talks about it. <laughs> um, so, but I think, like, that, like, realism is cool, and yeah, whatever, but, like, I think it's, it, it reminds me of what I like in theater as well. Like, realism is my everyday life, and if you can do it well and do it effectively, a la Andy Baker, like, it can be really exciting and really moving, but there's also something to be said of being, like, uh, first of all, like, how bad realism can be, and also just, like, how uninspired it can be, and so that's what's exciting about something like Wind Waker being, like, no, we're not interested in that. First of all, you're in a, a far-off kingdom, like, who cares if it looks like what you think it should look mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. and second of all, like, here's, like, this whole ethos and, like, spirit of the game that we can give you just by, like, the first three times you see the water. Yeah, and I mean, you, just like you were saying in the beginning about, like, there are certain truths about the world of Zelda that you just know because you've played other Zelda games. The more they lean into the realism, the, the weirder it is that, like, I solved this puzzle by killing the monsters, and then the door magically unlocks. Like, that yeah. doesn't make sense. Like, I light all the candles in this room, and then the door opens. Is it right? Or is it doesn't make any logical sense. Right. But the games don't encourage you to think with any logical sense because they feel so, like mythology mythologized like right. they feel like fantasy games they don't feel like uh lord of the rings game of thrones era of fantasy or yeah. even modern final fantasy or whatever you know i think the less they i think that's a benefit to, to them leaning into the fantasy aspect as opposed to the realism part. i completely agree and which they have leaned into the realism aspect in some recent uh games but uh, i think they're kind of coming back from that um <sighs> Yeah, so the other thing that's difficult, or the, the, the thing that's uh, interesting to me about Zelda The Wind Waker, it's one of my favorite games of all time, and it's a game that I wish everyone could or would play. Uh, 
forgetting about the the barrier to entry of like needing to have a console and all that stuff, which applies to every video game and is a huge barrier, um, but applies to every game. For Zelda, there are these ingrained things that like you really need to learn how to play a Zelda game. You need, well, you first need to remember how to learn how to play like a video game right. where you're navigating a 3D space and trying to hit like uh, you know 3D enemies or pots or grass or like switches or whatever, which is hard. It's still hard for me to do, you know. Um, well, I don't. When I first started playing the game, I couldn't walk in a straight line. No, I like the, there was a in the. It's called like Outset Island. It's the first island, your know, like hometown, and there's a bridge you have to walk across and get to one or the other. And it's not like a small rickety bridge, but I couldn't walk across it yeah. the first like time I played it. I just like keep on falling off, which is was I didn't die or anything. I just fell into the water, but which is probably intentional, but. I remember being like, why all I have to do is walk across this bridge, which is different from like a 2D Zelda game where like you move in only right, right angles. Right. And like where the the gameplay is about is more about like, oh, I need to cross that bridge than like or I need to make the decision to cross the bridge because I know the solutions on the other side as opposed to like I need to cross the bridge. So now I need to do the physical act of crossing the bridge, which right. I might fail. Right. You know, which is like <laughs> That's not fun to fail at the simple act of being a person, you know? Um, that's something that I've that holds me back a lot of the time from recommending a game like Zelda. Um, I think modern games do it very well and like and taking out all the stuff that would be like annoying and just like silly for you to have to learn how to do. But Zelda still does it, and Wind Waker being an older game, like, you know, 13 years old at this point, definitely still does it. But I still want other people to play because I think it's so beautiful and fun. Well, but the other thing that I was actually pleasantly surprised and reminded about is how much the organic life of the game and like teaches you how to play the game right like sometimes games are really bad at just being like sometimes every now and then like there's like tips at the bottom that like tell you what to do at the beginning or like tell you how things function or there's like uh there's like find these pieces of parchment and like they're important and you pick them up and they're just like press A to move forward and like things like that mm-hmm. where Zelda I think is really elegant in the way that like like people tell you what you need to do or it like becomes or you always kind of like have a test run of a new ability before you actually need to use the new ability things like that I think are what makes Zelda a little more fun to play if you have the patience for like the build up of the game right and I mean that what you just described is like the hallmark of Nintendo is like that's the reason that they're the best in the business is because they've always designed their games thinking about somebody who's never played video games before. I mean, that was the genius of the Wii, you know, like as the culmination of that philosophy. But but from the very beginning, Mario is always about that. I think Zelda has been about that, um, and their other series as well. Um, but uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, you got through more of the game than I thought you would. I mean, like you did it. You did a good job. <laughs> Thank you. I shouldn't say that. This is a, that's a bad thing to say. It's easy when I don't remember the perspective of what it's like to not have played a game in, in a long time or a game like that possibly ever. I have no conception of how long it would take a normal person to like actually learn how to play the game. So it was just interesting for me to watch you like because I tried to help you as little as possible because right. um, I just wanted to see how much the game was how much you were just able to pick up on yourself and it seemed like you did it okay. Thank you. Don't you think? Did you yeah. feel frustrated by the progress you were making? There were a few times, but I will admit that I always had you. I think the moment was the most extreme annoyance. But this is interesting because I've never been ashamed of giving into strategy guides. Uh-huh. Of like using online strategy guides to help me get through a game. I don't. 
I, Final Fantasy strategy guys is something different because the game is so intricate, and I think in order to get the full experience of those games, you need a strategy guide. Games like Zelda, you don't need a strategy guide, but I think there are moments when I, I think the moments when you helped me are moments that I would have eventually turned to an online strategy guide to help me. Mm. Yeah, and if I remember right, there were moments where I felt like the game was doing a bad job of telling you what you needed to do. Right. Where, like, you weren't going to learn it through trial and error. You were just going to learn it through serendipitous, like, accidentally doing it. Which maybe is intentional, but that's kind of frustrating. Right. Um, so, anyway, if you could, would you keep playing the game? Oh, yeah. You loved it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Would you recommend other people play it? Yeah. Cool. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a video game that makes people who don't like video games like video games. Okay. But I also don't know if that video game exists. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think people, at least at our age, I think people who have decided they don't like video games are, are not never going to like yeah. video games. Um, so... But I think in terms of, like, the experience of, like, solving puzzles and the experience of, like, looking at something beautiful and the experience of, like, hearing a story be told, this one was hit all my buttons. Oh. Also, we didn't talk about the music. The music is one of my favorite things ever. Yeah, I... That's you, not you didn't have time to pay attention to it, I guess. I love the music of Zelda the Wind Waker. I think it's gorgeous. Um... Oh, you even pointed that out in that Ganon fight. You're like, listen to the music. I, the, oh, I... Well, this is something... This is way more um, detailed than I expect you to have noticed, but there's so much interesting stuff going on with music in the latest Zelda games that I think began with Wind Waker, where the music would... Um, there were, like, little flourishes and chimes that uh that are in tune with the way that you fight people like the way you can sort of you can sort of intuit a, 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 an aural aural way of knowing how much health an enemy has left based on what it's what the music sounds like as you're fighting it yeah um and, and what it sounds like as your sword is hitting them right. um which is like which is cool because it becomes very it becomes the combat sort of becomes like a rhythm thing where you're like you you hit you step take a step back to avoid their hit and then you go in for the kill because you know that this will be your last one because right. the music has crescendoed in such a way. Well, and even that, something that I actually found enormously useful in the game is that the music shifts when an enemy has you in its sight yes. and is coming for you, yeah. which is not true of the Zelda games that I've played. I feel like I mean I'm trying to think of things maybe I didn't enjoy so much. Oh yeah. I mean, I do think there's something to, like, the silliness of the MacGuffins that I, like, always... But that's just, like, part for the course. You know, like, go collect these three pearls. Do you also think that there's something misleading to say that there's... Like, I'm trying... I never had a good... I've never found a good way to describe the story of Zelda because I think people who like stories would be disappointed by Zelda. I think, like, I mean, in terms of, like, richness and character-driven, there's nothing in Zelda. Right. But there's something about it that you feel like you're on a long journey towards. Right, I, because you just know there's so many Zelda games. I think that's ultimately what it is. Yeah, you feel like you're part of a I think, story. like, like contrasted with the Final Fantasy games, in which, for the most part, each new Final Fantasy game is a story and a land unto itself. And so they really pour, like, character detail and, like, narrative richness into it versus like the Zelda games they do the opposite and lean back into the idea that like it's one grand tapestry Mm -hmm. and like any character detail or richness you'll get over accumulation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which like from a commercial standpoint both are viable right because the first one is like oh I need to play this new Zelda game to know how this like story I know really well proceeds or I need to buy this new Final Fantasy game because I want to know what the new story is right yeah so you would keep playing Zelda The Wind Waker, but are there any other games in your, in your like, 
in your life that you've been thinking about? Like, oh, I'd always wanted to try that, or like. Nah, I mean, yeah. I would like to play modern Final Fantasy games. I feel like I'm pretty conservative at this point. I I also know that I don't really enjoy first person shooters, which makes like a whole genre of games. I'm only ever going to be interested in RPGs, I think, mm-hmm. and so like, and within those, like, I know I like. And Final Fantasy games are wildly different from each other. You know, they have some of the same similarities, but like, but I would be interested in playing modern Final Fantasy games. I would also be interested in the only two Final Fantasy games I've actually played myself are seven and eight. Like, I'd love to play ten. Mm. I've seen like maybe seventy five percent of it played. Like, my friend had it, and we would spend hours upon hours of reasoning in his basement, like watching him play it. But I would like to play that one myself. Okay. Um, but you're not a PlayStation person. Well, I have a PlayStation. Really? Yeah. Which one? PlayStation 4. Really? Yeah, so I can get the latest one. I've just never played a fan of Final Fantasy in my life. Maybe I'll get the new one. Maybe we should switch this podcast. Maybe. Maybe. You would love... I don't, I'm, but those don't really seem like the games you're interested in. They're not. I don't like RPGs. But you do like Dungeons & Dragons. That's what's interesting to me. Well, I like the story part of Dungeons & Dragons. I hate rolling and I hate the numbers. <laughs> I like the idea of creating a story and the influencing the story. So you like being a DM, you don't like playing... Well, and being a player. I mean, you can influence the story as a player. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. You should influence the story as a player. Okay. okay. That, that, that's... But I'm saying it'd be fun to watch you play. Like, honestly, if you found a copy of Final Fantasy VIII that you could play, I would love to watch you play it. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. Okay. That's good enough. Thanks, Dylan. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.